As a long-time foreign correspondent, I've worked in lots of places, but nowhere as important to the world as China. I'm Jane Perlez, former Beijing bureau chief for The New York Times. Join me on my new podcast, Face Off, U.S. versus China, where I'll take you behind the scenes in the tumultuous U.S.-China relationship. Find Face Off wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Straight A Nursing Podcast. And as I promised last week, today I have a very special treat for you all. And today we are doing, drumroll, our very first interview style podcast. And I have thought long and hard about who to have as my first interview guest. And I decided I would just start with the best one. So today we are going to be talking to Eve, an awesome nurse in the Midwest. And today we're going to be talking about advocacy. So I know if you're a nursing student, I know this gets brought up probably in like your theory of nursing class or maybe your med surge class as it relates to your clinical rotations. And maybe you're not super focused on it because you're trying so hard to learn pathophysiology and and lab values and meds and, and how to do this and how to do that. But I do want to stress that as a nurse, advocacy is probably one of the most important things that you will do in your job. So when I go to work, I typically have two overarching main goals. And one of those is I'm going to protect the dignity of people who are vulnerable, and I'm going to speak up for people who cannot speak for themselves. And that is where advocacy comes in. So today we will be talking with Eve, which if you follow me on Twitter and by um, chance happen to follow her as well, her Twitter handle is at Brow of Justice, which is a whole other (laughs) story in and of itself. She does have amazing eyebrows, by the way. But Eve, aside from that, really exemplifies, in my mind, the role of advocacy in nursing. And I was texting back and forth with her one day and said, girl, you're not just an advocate. You are a warrior level advocate. And, you know, we advocate all the time in our jobs. And I just want to stress that if you do nothing else in your job, and you advocate like a warrior, like Eve does every day. It's second nature to her now. If you do that one thing, you absolutely cannot go wrong. Okay, so not everyone's going to agree with you, and we'll get into that later. But when you do that, and at the end of the day, and you get home, and you put your head on your little pillow, and you think about how your day went, if you know you have advocated like a warrior for your patients, then you have done your job and you will have sweet dreams. I promise you will sleep well. So I'm going to uh, let Eve do a quick introduction of her awesome self, tell you a little bit about her background and experience. And Eve, just tell us kind of the environment in which you work so we have a little context and we know who we are talking to today. Hi, my name is Eve and I've been an ICU nurse for over a decade and I work uh, primarily in the CVICU, and I also do some education, sort of on the side. 
Fantastic. So if you guys don't know what CVICU means, that's Cardiovascular Intensive Care Unit. It's an intense place. You've got doctors with, I think, probably the biggest egos, wouldn't you say, Eve? I would think so. There's a lot of training that they do. Uh, One of the primary surgeons right now did three fellowships, not just one, to get his specialty. So uh, there's a, they put a lot of time and sometimes socially they're quite um, delayed. (laughs) I was just talking about that yesterday about nurses are people, people and doctors, maybe not always. Um, So anyway, yeah. (laughs) Yeah. The best ones are both. Yes, exactly. So um, the point is you work in a pretty intense environment with some people who, you know, strong personalities, I guess is going to be my nice way of putting it. And recently you've shared on Twitter, and I am going to encourage you guys, we'll talk about how you can listen to this other uh, story that she has. But recently on Twitter, you shared an experience that you had as a patient that really planted the seed for you to become such a strong advocate in your nursing practice. And I would like for you to share that experience with us now? Uh, If you go to my Twitter, it's my pinned tweet, and you can read the story. But I'll tell you a little bit about it now. I have had asthma all my life. When I was 14, I basically coded the deadly triad for an asthma patient. And uh, the doctor and the nurses, they saved my life. But I happened to be awake and aware at some point through the process of my resuscitation. And then at at the time, the standard was paralysis for all asthma patients. And to be quite honest with you, uh, even though the guidelines no longer say that, I was so sick, I probably would be paralyzed in the ICU today. Um, And I was awake and aware beneath paralysis. I was not going to be a nurse or a doctor when I got out of high school and and out of college, that was not my plan because I I was desperate to avoid anything that reminded me of that. And then, you know, career changes and things happen. And here I am. I see you nurse for over a decade and I care for paralyzed patients. And what I learned through the whole process is that I can take this experience that was actually quite traumatic for me and turn it into a place of power. And now I stand at the bedside in that place of power, and I advocate for best practices for my patients. That is awesome. So I'm just going to back up a little bit because some of the students might not um, understand everything you said. So if you haven't yet started an ICU clinical rotation, you might not know what we mean by paralyzing a patient. This does not mean we've severed their spinal cord and actually physically paralyzed them. We're going to chemically paralyze a very select group of patients with very specific drugs. And when Eve's talking about the best practices and that surround that, what we're talking about is paralysis without sedation is probably the most cruel thing that you could do to a human being. She lived through that experience and knows firsthand. And I would say we don't paralyze that often. I've seen probably 
twice we've paralyzed an asthmatic patient. It's not something that you do that often. And uh, we'll paralyze patients that are on uh, high oscillating ventilators and things like that. But you always want to make sure they are incredibly deeply sedated during that process. And um, so coming from that place of power, I think, is great because you kind of started your career knowing that you had that voice inside you and the strength to do that. But as a student or a brand new nurse and maybe someone who hasn't had an experience personally that they can relate to, I think advocacy can be really challenging and a little intimidating, especially when you think that you are the lowest person on the totem pole in the in the hospital. You know, if you're a student, you probably feel like you have absolutely no power. And if you're a new nurse... I remember when I was new, everything was terrifying and it took a long, a long time to kind of find that, that voice. What would you say to a brand new nurse, Eve, who tells you, comes to you and says, I'm having a hard time knowing when to speak up for my patient. So I do get this question a lot. Um, I teach hemodynamics to our new grads in the ICU. And one of the most important things when you're a new grad is learning to find your own voice. And so when you're at the bedside and you think of something and something's pulling at you, I describe it like a tug. You feel the tug inside your heart or or inside your chest or in your brain. You feel that little pull. That's a voice you need to listen to. And you need to follow that voice where it goes. And a lot of people, they hear the voice, but then they're afraid to to say what the voice is saying to them. They're afraid to follow the voice where it goes. And to those people, I say, fear is an emotion. It's like a barrier in front of you. And you have to climb over that so you can care for your patient. But fear is not fear of something that could actually damage you or harm you. It's very often fear of being wrong, right? Or it's fear of speaking out and, and being told that you don't know what you're talking about. Or it's fear of being, of being found out that you're an imposter and you should never have graduated nursing school in the first place. And then, and then you're killing all of your patients. And none of that's true. Now, fear is the thing that you have to get over. And really, it's not something that's actually in front of you that you have to climb. You can walk walk right through it. And that's what I tell them. Just walk through the fear. Go find your resource person and tell them about this thing that's tugging at you. And then they'll be able to help you plot a course and uh, and get uh, more onto speaking to physicians and things like that. Because when you're a brand new nurse, you, you interact with the doctors in a very sort of task-oriented way. They give you orders and you follow them. And so your, your line... Uh, for your pathway for advocating for your patient should always go through whoever your designated resource person is first because they're the ones that can guide you at the bedside before you speak to uh, to an advanced practitioner like a nurse practitioner or PA or a physician. I love what you just said about walking through fear. That was awesome, by the way. And I think that's excellent advice. And And I also love what you say about using your resources. So 
You will notice guys when you're out there working and you're in your clinicals or maybe you're starting in a job that if you know what your resources are, you can pretty much solve all the world's problems. So as a student, I would say your first resource is you're going to go to the nurse that you're working with that day. And you may get what you need from that nurse. If for some reason you don't, you don't have to stop advocating right there. Next, you would pull in probably your clinical instructor and say, hey, I've got this concern. My nurse is, maybe they're busy taking care of a crashing patient in the other room, you know, and they can't come and address this other issue right now. I need your help. They're going to help you take it up what we call the chain of command. You would then probably go to the charge nurse on that unit with your clinical instructor and kind of present your case, your concerns, and see what the charge nurse can do to help. And maybe they don't get anywhere. Guess what? It doesn't stop there. So there's always somebody higher up that you can go to. I recently had an experience where I was taking care of a guy who was on the floor and he was about to go home. He was waiting for his ride to get to the hospital and he decided to get super septic all of a sudden. So he bought himself a bed in the ICU and a longer stay. And he comes over to me and it was a weekend. And for some reason, hospital administration thinks that people stop being sick on the weekends because we're always staffed differently. There's only one critical care doctor for the entire 24-bed unit, which is insane. There's way less resource staff, etc. I don't know. That boggles my mind. But anyway, apparently, if you want to um, not be sick, just have it be a weekend. So it was a weekend. The doctor was overwhelmed, short-staffed, etc. And my patient is starting to spiral. And if you've listened to my podcast on sepsis, or read any of my blog posts on sepsis, you know that early intervention is absolutely key. And as you start developing kind of what I call your nursey spidey sense, you'll start to be able to recognize a patient, we say spiraling, I know it's kind of a crass term, but they're kind of circling um, that downward spiral. And if you can recognize those things early and intervene quickly, you're going to have a much, much better outcome for your patient. So I was really keen on getting this guy's issues addressed. He was a really big guy and um, having a, he also had, what did he come in? I think he had a UTI, something simple like that, but got super septic from it. Couldn't really get a blood pressure and... He was super somnolent and he hadn't peed in a long time. So as you'll learn, as you get farther along in your schooling, that those are all really bad signs that something's going wrong and it needs to be addressed. So I approached the doc, we'll call him Dr. Bob, and Dr. Bob tells me, I'll come see him this afternoon. And I'm thinking, well, by this afternoon, <laughs> we're going to be in a whole heck of a lot worse trouble. So then I went up to my charge nurse and told her what was going on and said, I'm not getting what I need from Dr. Bob. I just want you to be aware. I'm going to try one more thing, but I may need to come back to you. And she assured me, okay, that's fine. You let me know what you need. We'll take care of it. We'll get this guy taken care of. So then I called the hospitalist that was on the patient's case. And I basically implored her and said, 
you need to come see this patient. I cannot be the only person that cares about what happens to this guy today. And lo and behold, she walked in five minutes later. So there's always somebody else you can talk to. I'm not saying you're going to doctor shop all the time, but he did have another physician on the case. And that's where I went. If that hadn't have worked, my charge nurse would have approached Dr. Bob. And then if that hadn't have worked, guess what? Dr. Bob has a boss. So there's always somebody that can help you advocate if you're feeling like you're not getting anywhere from that. So earlier I said that not everyone is going to agree with you and support you in your advocacy. And that's fine because you're doing all of this for the patient, but sometimes you're going to be advocating for the, basically the whole profession of nursing, not to sound all grandiose, but you are going to advocate for yourselves as nurses. And Eve has one of the best stories ever of this. And should I tell the spoiler alert right now that security got involved? (laughs) Sure. Okay. So tell us how you advocated and security had to, um, intervene. Yes. So we were undergoing, um, basically a, a joint commission review and this wasn't sort of a fake review. This was a review that we were getting at that facility because we had failed a lot of our measures and we had had to implement these action plans. And then uh, they were coming back to see if we were still going to have our credentials. At the same time, we were going through a lot of uh, cost-cutting measures, which had led to some of the failure uh, that the Joint Commission had noticed. And uh, the CFO put out a new grid for staffing. And if you're a new nurse or you're a student, you won't know what we're talking about. But if you've been nursing a little bit, you know, staffing is everything. So I look at the grid and there's guaranteed triples on the grid. There's guaranteed charge nurse will have patients. Um, No tech until you have a certain number of patients and all of that. uh, The triples are questionable. The charge nurse having patients is questionable. The tech thing, you know, that's a constant battle in the hospital anyway. But what got me was the guaranteed triples. And they're guaranteeing that you'll be tripled. They're guaranteeing that the charge nurse will have patients. And how can I assist as a charge nurse with all of the other things that I have to do? Because they had added a lot of tasks to us, mostly auditing, so that we could meet our joint commission survey. How can I do all this and adequately care for patients? I felt that it was unsafe. I went to my boss and I said, who made this grid? And she said, the CFO. And I said, you just, you just approved it. And she said, yeah, he's the CFO. And I thought, well, I'm not getting anywhere here. And I, I want to preface this by saying, I don't recommend that you do this. Okay. But again, operating from a position of, of advocacy and a position of power. And I did a few other things. I made some phone calls. Um, but nothing was happening. And I was a contract nurse at this facility and they were using me as a critical care float charge. And I thought none of these people can speak for themselves. And so they're just like my patients. I'm in charge of them. They're my, they're like my children. I have to make sure that they have, you know, safe working environment. So I decided to confront the CFO directly. I didn't anticipate what would happen when I did this, 
because he had an open door policy. It was on a big banner. When you would walk by the C-suite on your way to the cafeteria, there's a big banner that says it's an open, you know, they have an open door policy. We'd love to talk to you anytime. And so I went in and I looked at his secretary and she was on the phone and I could see into his office and I could see that he was in there and he wasn't on the phone. And I just kind of waved at her and pointed and she just kind of looked at me and nodded her head. And I walked in and I said, hey, I'm Eve, charge nurse in the ICU. I just wanted to talk to you about this grid. And he said, oh. <laughs> and we talked about it. He said it was an industry standard. And I said that it wasn't any industry I was familiar with. And that's when he got a little offended. And he kind of, you know, pushed a button on his phone. And his secretary kind of came in, looked at him through the door, and then walked back out. And one thing led to another in our conversation. And I told him he was like the master of Lake Town, counting his pennies in the back. And that was about the time security showed up. And they told me to go back to the ICU where I belonged. And they told me that uh, that we should never speak. And that I should have always followed the chain of command. And uh, <laughs> I'm not rehirable at that facility, in case anyone was wondering. Not that that uh, hurts me at all. So did they change the staffing grid? I'm guessing no. No, they did not. But I will tell you, they failed their Joint Commission survey. Yeah. So you don't want to work there anyway. No. <laughs> so for those of you listening that didn't understand everything Eve said, when she's talking about triples in the ICU, she's talking about one nurse having three patients. And then when she's talking about the charge nurse having patients, that to me is unimaginable. I work in California, thankfully. We have patient ratios where we have two patients, never more than that. And the charge nurse never takes a patient. And the charge nurse is swamped the whole shift. I don't know how a charge nurse would take patients. It just, I can't even imagine how that would work. And to have three patients that are critically ill and incredibly sick, I cannot even imagine how that was safe. So thank you for standing up for your staff. And your patients, it didn't get you anywhere, but you probably went home and slept that night knowing you did what you could. That's something I want to, that's something I want to talk about too. I, I do have a naturally confrontational personality. That's just how I am, but I would never have gone um, to speak to the CFO and call him the master of Lake town. Uh, if I hadn't been just absolutely certain that I had to say something because I have to look at myself in the mirror and that's what it always comes down to for me when I'm advocating for my patient. Is this something that's going to keep me up at night? Am I going to worry and pace if I don't say something right now? And if the answer is yes, if I'm not going to sleep, if I'm not going to be able to, to lay that, that issue down, then it's big enough for me to do whatever I have to do to make sure that my voice is at least heard. And it's not enough for me to just make a mention to the physician and have the physician blow me off or to the charge nurse and have them blow me off. Uh, particularly if you're talking about being a, being a student 
you know, you were talking earlier about there's always someone else to tell. You can go up the chain of command. That's very important in the hospital. Because if you tell the nurse that you're working with, hey, this patient's blood pressure is low. And she's like, ah, it's always low. Okay. That's a good question. Is it always low? This is something I need to be worried about. And if it's bothering you, then you need to escalate and you need to go to the next person, whoever is over that person and say, this is what I was told. Is this, is this so? Show me. I think that's excellent. I love that idea of using kind of your own inner yardstick for knowing when to say something, because if that little tug you were talking about, and if you're a student, you may not start feeling that yet, but you might. Um, definitely as a, as a new grad, you will start noticing that you feel uneasy about a lot of things. And I always say nursing really boils down to two things. If you see something, you need to say or do something about it. And the other is if you anticipate a problem, you need to try to prevent that problem. And really, in a nutshell, that's all y'all are doing out there. You're preventing problems and you're fixing problems. So, you know, as a student, you know, a patient who's hypotensive is an excellent example of kind of a, a really great solid advocacy thing that you could do. Go back and look at the trends. Has it always been low? Is the MD aware? Make sure that the patient isn't doesn't have other issues that could be causing hypotension. One of my biggest, hugest pet peeves when I bring up the issue, maybe, you know, it's with your coworkers or with the medical team about an abnormal vital sign is, well, they've been doing that. And I think, well, that doesn't make it normal, y'all. They're in the ICU. If their heart rate's 135 for four days. There's an issue. Can we fix it? So you'll hear that. He's been doing that line. Oh my gosh, you're going to hear that so much. It's going to make you want to pull your hair out. And that's just, you know, when you hear someone say that, let that advocacy alarm kind of go off in your head and say, this is an opportunity for me to advocate and I'm going to fix this today. Um, other things that you can do, you know, Eve talks a lot about advocating for her profession, and I think she'd be a fantastic nurse leader out there in the world. I told her she should run for Congress. <laughs> She's laughing at me right now. But in the unit where you work, you can, my unit has something called a partnership council. There's probably something like this. It's probably called different things, different places, but it's where the nurses, the physical therapists, everybody on the team gets together, respiratory, pharmacy, the whole interdisciplinary team. And we talk about ways that we can improve the unit, improve what it's like to work there, improve patient outcomes. So that's a way for you to get involved. So there's always ways for you to advocate. If you're scared, like Eve said, you know, you can start small and build your voice from there. And, you know, when you're calling a physician or you're speaking to your charge nurse or the nurse you're working with that day, if you don't know what to say, guys, fall back on your S bar. Super simple, easy, to the point, 
it will guide you more than you know. So I want to see, um, I want Eve to tell us where we can find her on social media and the interwebs, because if you guys are looking for someone to look up to from a leadership advocacy and oh my gosh, so flippin' smart standpoint, then you need to be following Eve for sure. So Eve, tell us where we can find you again. I'm on Twitter as at Brow of Justice, uh, Mitochondrial Eve is my handle. And then I also have a website blog thing at uh, www.essentiallycalcium.com. Okay, you guys. And then if you follow her on Twitter, bonus, totally unrelated to nursing, but she bakes. And it's like stuff that you wouldn't think people actually can make on their own without I don't know, being a chef or something. She made marshmallows, people. And that was super cool. And caramel. Who makes that? I don't know, but she does. And where the time comes from to do these things. And the brownies. Okay, so I was looking through my recipe book last night and I had a little scrap of paper and it didn't have a title on it. It just said, you know, a boatload of butter, a boatload of sugar, <laughs> couple eggs. And I was like, what is this recipe? And then I was, I thought, oh my gosh, it's Eve's brownies. And you guys, I made them and they were amazing. Maybe I'll put them up on the website. They were so good. So follow Eve for advocacy tips, fabulous, smart hemodynamics info. She's a super fabulous ICU nurse if you're into that sort of thing. And really cool baking. And she's kind of funny too, if you like that. And then the other bonus is she writes poetry. And I'm not even kidding. It is amazing. So you should publish your poetry as well. I keep telling you all these like amazing, huge things she could do. And she laughs at me, but um, she's awesome. Follow her. And then I'm going to check the schedule for next week. Sorry, guys, I'm making a ton of noise. I'm just looking to tell you what's going to be up on the podcast Next week, we will be talking about anticoagulants. How exciting is that? So if you're interested in anticoagulation, which I know you are because you're going to be tested on it, then check back in for the next episode. And we will see you at the website at straightanursingstudent.com. If you want to follow me on Twitter, if you don't yet, it's at straightanurse. And you can check out the Facebook page, facebook.com slash straight A nursing student, I believe is what that is. So I know the semester is just starting. You guys are kind of getting into the groove of things. So stay on top of it. You can get through this. It's going to be amazing. And you're going to love not every minute of it, but a lot of it. Thank you again, Eve. And we will check back in with all of you on the podcast in a couple weeks. Have a great day, everyone. This podcast is brought to you by straightanursingstudent.com. Copyright Mo Media. Have you ever wished that you had a direct line to your pediatrician to ask all the questions that constantly crop up while parenting? We sure have. That's why we launched the Bites of Health podcast. Every morning, we'll answer a commonly asked pediatric question in five minutes or less. You can tune in while you're making your second cup of coffee or from the school drop-off line. 
So be sure to tune in to Bites of Health, streaming now.